0: With supporters like you, you can help reclaim your rights and protect and expand access to abortion care. Visit PlannedParenthood.org future. That's PlannedParenthood.org
1: future. Here's an HIV pill dilemma for you. Picture the scene. There's a rooftop sunset with fairy lights and you're vibing with friends. You remember you've got to take your HIV pill. Important, yes, but the fun moment is gone. Did you know there's a long-acting treatment option available? So catch the sunset and keep the party going. Visit PillFreeHIV.com today to learn more. Brought to you by Vive Healthcare.
0: Hello, ladies. (laughs) (laughs) I've been wanting to try that for a while. I've been wanting to drink a little (laughs) funky.
1: I'm Sam Sanders. I'm Zach Stafford. I'm Saeed Jones, and you ladies are listening to Vibe Check.
0: (laughs) The reason I'm in such a good mood this morning, I think, is because I had perhaps the best breakfast. Oh. Leftover Thai food. The morning Ooh. after uh, is always a treat. Well, what's Thai
2: food? Was it like a pad thai? Oh, so it was Chicken sweet. pads to you. Chicken pads, pads to you.
1: Okay. Those
0: noodles get even juicier.
2: Yeah, baby. Ooh, I'm some lunch
1: now. That sounds good. That
2: sounds good. I love yeah. that. It's funny you're in a good mood because of food you order from a restaurant because I'm in a meh mood because of Uh-oh. a restaurant called Balthazar's. And yesterday <laughs> I was on a... <laughs> I was feeling great because they banned- I knew banned. we were going to get there. I knew, I knew we, had we had to. Were I get just had to because I found out something before we started recording: is that Balthazar's had banned James Corden, which everyone has
0: heard terrible stories about this man on planes,
1: on yeah, trains, I'm in a on good automobiles mood because of it.
0: Because I hate James Corden. The owner had said that he was the worst customer in Balthazar's twenty-five year history.
2: Yeah, exactly. But Said, you're in a good good mood over it. But here, mm-hmm. let me turn your mood. He has been unbanned <laughs> as of last night. Oh
1: yeah, yeah, I did see that. No, <laughs> Banned him pretty quickly. I have hated James Corden. You can search my tweets. <laughs> yes. I've been I've been hating James Corden loudly and publicly for like five or six years now. Ever since he beat Beyonce mm-hmm. and won the Emmy. Over Homecoming. Over Homecoming. I'll yeah, never the, forgive him. I'll never forgive him. And then I found out like he's actually not a very nice person.
2: I have forgotten why James Corden is such a mainstay in musicals. Because I rewatched Into the Woods the other day and was hit in the he's face in for the fact yeah, that he's... I, how
1: did that happen? Because I do Because it's not like... It's not like he's like Hugh Jackman, like an incredible stage performer. Like, I don't think he was known for his musical talents before. And then all of a sudden, it feels like anytime there's a mid, and we'll talk about mid entertainment, anytime (laughs) there's a mid movie musical, he's in it for some reason.
0: Kind of playing gay in a weird way. And then why is he cast as a gay person? That's another reason to not like him. Also, fuck you, James Corden. Let us not give this show (laughs) over to James Corden. We have we not did. yet even started the show. you mention James Corden,
1: and I, <laughs> and I lost all sense of. I love. I am like <laughs> such where a chaos
2: demon. I'm
0: just like, hey, I have a thing. Go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're so off right. This
1: could be pot safe America. Where are we, girl?
0: <laughs> what are we talking about? <laughs> this week on Vibe Check, we're going to talk about Elon Musk inserting himself where he does not belong, namely Ukraine, and we're going to discuss how right now it seems like everything in entertainment is kind of mid. Not great. Not awful. But mid. And that's probably why James Corden's on my nerves today because I think he is the root <laughs> He's cause. That's what He's we're mid. going with this. I mean, he, he is, is pretty yes. mid. That's He's so point. mid. He's so mid. But before all of that, I want to ask my sisters how they're doing. What's your vibe? I don't know. I've felt very anxious this week for some reason and
2: it's not because of nuclear war and I have to tell everyone <laughs> thank you so much for checking in on me. Thank you for, thank you for sending me your tidbits on how to was survive the end do of the world. Oh better? my God. I do feel better. I just literally, like now, sight. I think about what you said that it's like, it's That'll just over. Fine. Like the FOMO is Why dead. And I it? was like, great. But um, yeah, I think I'm just like, I'm feeling meh because it does feel like we as a culture have moved past the pandemic and I'm just getting hit in the face with so much like things and expectations and places to be and people
1: to be with. And so I'm just feeling really tired today. So that's where I'm at. Okay. What about you, Saeed? Yeah, same. You know, I'm I'm still in the middle of a book tour. I hit my wall this weekend. I just, I hit that wall where I just, I felt like my immune system, my energy level started to flag. I wasn't able to make it to an event in San Francisco. I just spent the weekend in bed. And then I woke up this morning. It was 36 degrees when I woke oh, no. up to walk the dog. I had to go in the closet, find the park. It was just like, this is wow. so much so soon. It feels like we skipped ahead a month. I mean, obviously winter yeah. is coming, but... Yeah. I'm not used to it being this chilly this so I just yeah, I feel much of what Zach said, just a little like okay, energy's flagging, a little cranky. It'll be okay. Well, How I feel you?
0: guilty because I'm doing great. <coughs> I
1: feel very bad now. <laughs> it's oh, this one one damn thai food. All three <laughs> of us can't be all three of us can't be in a bad mood. That just wouldn't be good Listen, for the vibe, I slept so. really well last
0: night. <laughs> I had some leftover pads of you for breakfast. There's a nice crispness in the air. I was about to say
1: your skin looks great. You look great. Thank
0: you. Listen, it has been me, the power of prayer and proactive working on this face the last several weeks.
1: And this listeners is what it is to be friends with a goddamn Leo. <laughs> <laughs> wow.
0: I'm happy
2: for you. You well, deserve Sam, it, baby. I'm so glad you're Sam. feeling great this week, and you'll be our guiding light of hope, maybe. That's what maybe. I do. Because we're going to what it I do. for today. That's what I do. Okay, okay. <laughs> well, before we get into the hot tea today, we want to thank all of you who have sent us fan mail, tweeted us, and DM'd us. We love hearing from you, and this is your last week, as a reminder, to send us questions for our Ask Us Anything episode. You can send your burning questions... It could be about Sam's face routine, which I want to know, because it's glowing, or anything else. And you can send it as a voice note or an email to vibecheck at stitcher.com. Well, shall we jump in, y'all? Let's do it. Let's do it.
0: All right, we're going to start by talking about Elon Musk and foreign policy and the war in Ukraine. Mm. Uh, So Elon Musk has been making news these last few days over his involvement in the war with Ukraine. And he's also been possibly talking about how to broker peace in the war, which is like, dude, not your job, but the big story is how Elon Musk and his company SpaceX has gotten involved in giving a Ukrainian troops access to the internet. So Elon's company, SpaceX, makes these portable internet boxes called Starlink. And after the war began, Elon and SpaceX sent over a bunch of them to Ukraine so that troops could communicate on the ground, you know, even if Russia knocked out phone lines or internet lines. And this seemed to be going really well. Everyone said, that's really nice of you, Elon. Good move. But a few months into the war, Elon Musk now is saying that SpaceX can't afford the upkeep of the Starlinks they sent to Ukraine. There's a monthly cost to keep all of them running. So, Elon now has said the US government needs to come in and pay all these costs. Elon told the government that it would cost close to $400 million to keep the Starlinks up and running for the next year. But some experts say he is inflating the actual cost of the maintenance and service and continuation of the Starlinks. Elon got a bunch of bad press after basically saying, I'm no longer going to help Ukraine in this war. He then on Saturday said, the hell with it. Even though Starlink is still losing money and other companies are getting billions of taxpayer dollars, we'll just keep funding the Ukrainian government for free. So it kind of seems like a happy ending, but it's entirely uncertain because we don't know when Elon will say again, I can't afford this thing. He has introduced a level of uncertainty in a war that does not need any more of it, and I guess my biggest question with this whole story is like, Elon, why are you in this?
1: Why are you involved? Mm-hmm. And hasn't he also just been chit chatting with Putin too? Like, I this just is feel like thing. he's just he's just in. What are you doing, man? Like, <laughs> like yes, <laughs> like it just seems like obviously it's like inappropriate. It also just yeah. seems dangerous. Like, we're private citizens are not supposed to be... dangerous. And also, like, (laughs) how does he have the
2: time? He runs SpaceX and Tesla, which are some of the, like, biggest companies in terms of, like, valuation in the world. But yet he has time to do foreign diplomatic work where he is embedding internet in Ukraine and also coordinating with Putin on Twitter to warn us about a nuclear war. It just feels like the vibe is way (laughs) off. (laughs) The vibe is off.
0: And what makes it even scarier... It's not that Elon Musk is a rich man who just does whatever he wants and seems to be pretty erratic. He's also an unreliable narrator. It is often hard to tell when he is telling the truth. You know, he has tried to backtrack whether or not he was talking to Putin. He is allegedly inflating the actual cost of these Starlink devices. It's bad enough that he's involved. What makes it even scarier and worse is that you can't trust him. And what you want is someone you can trust if they're going to be involved in a war. Well,
1: and and that's the thing. I mean, it all just feels like a paradox, right? Because it's like, who do you trust in a war? Like weapons manufacturers? Like, it's not that I think companies like Lockheed Martin are, you know, like saintly organizations. They're not. They depend on violence and abuse to make millions, billions of dollars. Like war is good for them, but it just seems... Obviously, like unproductive, frankly, not yeah. not that there's a version of a productive war, right? But it just seems unproductive to have someone as chaotic, narcissistic, inconsistent, as you pointed out, Sam, wading into this. Like think this can't be good for, for anyone in terms of hoping for this war to end.
0: Yeah. I yeah. also
1: really have major questions about
0: someone as rich as Elon Musk, reportedly the richest man in the world, asking for any money to help Ukraine. Right. If you offered to help Ukraine and you're the richest person in the world, couldn't you just do it pro bono? Yeah. No, but that's the issue with the privatization of
2: foreign policy that we're seeing here is that when you make it a private issue with a private company, a privately held company, or even a publicly traded company, but a business that is aligned with capitalism, then you're focused on the bottom line and your profits and losses. So while you may have a ton of profits, like Apple has so much cash in the bank, but if they start seeing something losing money, they pivot quickly or Facebook, they pivot quickly because they don't think it's scalable. So that's my question at the end of the day is that like, he's a for-profit kind of rack and tour around the world. So his investments and his coordination with Putin are not from a, like a, you know, it's and not altruistic. Not, it's not altruistic right. at all. So, like, what is your end game here? And why are you kind of wrapping it in this kind of like, corporate foundation narrative of like, look at me giving all this money out that I probably can write off, that I probably can use as a loss to like prop up, you know, other things in my business. And that's just scary. And it makes me think about Adam McKay's movie, Don't Look Up, hmm. where, you know, the big thing that happens there is that we outsource or make a third party private company to, to an Elon Musk, to an like Elon Musk <laughs> as meteorites are coming in. And so that's why I think it's dangerous to have Elon Musk so present in the chess game that is, you know, foreign diplomacy because then we could end up in this situation nuclear war is very similar to meteorites hitting the earth and i don't think elon musk should be the one trying to shoot them down or privatize them in the process
1: yeah, yeah. which also it's like look i i'm not the president i am not a secretary of state that is not my lane in this lifetime i'm not going to act like to be an expert on this but like it seems pretty clear that the US government shouldn't have allowed Elon Musk and Starlink to get involved in the first place because something like this should happen. Like, is this allowed? Like, who,
0: who, okay? But well, this it? is the thing. I remember when I was in graduate school getting my master's degree in public policy, they had a term, a really nice, benevolent term for when the government allows private industry to either partner with the government or take over. It was called Public-private partnership, and the uh, idea was that you could find these synergies between the government and the private sector, and they could work together. And it was literally taught to us in school as the way forward for governments. Oh, Flash yeah. forward some <laughs> fifteen years, and here we are. It's kind of run amok. It's not a partnership; it is takeover. It is no, corporate takeover right. of things the government used to be responsible for. And the thing about it is that with all these really, really rich men, and it's usually always men, they never just want to be the world's rich. Men. Once they get that rich, they want to exert their power and run things. You know, we see Peter Thiel investing millions of dollars into American elections right now. We see Jeff Bezos and other super billionaires trying to colonize space. They never just want to be rich, they always want more. And governments and I think governmental bodies across the world haven't figured out how yet to react to that. If anything, they want to buddy up to
1: these guys. But I don't think that's going to save us. I really yeah. don't. And and speaking of Peter Thiel, I mean, you know, here in Ohio, you know, he's spent millions of dollars backing, you know, really, I would argue, really dangerous Republican candidates, one of whom is running for a Senate seat here in Ohio, J.D. Vance, who's just – the worst. I just he's I really absolute worst. Oh, 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 I mean like oh, they're oh, oh, all bad, but he just has one of those faces where I just it's like look away, girl. I can't even concentrate. But anyway, I think it's really interesting that you mentioned someone like Peter Teal in this kind of galaxy of billionaires because he's trying to get a third passport um in this case it would be you Malta. You can do that? I, uh, you I mean. can't. So I knew you could. <laughs> wow. I knew Okay. That you can – if you're wealthy enough and it depends on different countries, you can literally buy – passports in, in, in different wow. countries. So he wow. has And Zach, do you know where his other passport is? Germany. So we okay.
2: don't know for sure, but it's assumed to be Germany. He was born there, I believe. Okay. Um, so he would get dual citizenship, yeah. uh, which yeah. gives so, him
1: access to the EU. Right. And now he's trying to get one from Malta and it, it it seems shady and it's like Daily Beast has been reporting on it and it's like it doesn't even seem like he's following the, the rich people yeah. rules that he's supposed to. <laughs> but I just think it's interesting, you know, in addition to how the Jeff Bezos, the Elon Musk, the Peter Thiels are just fucking shit up. I mean, they're really <laughs> causing chaos here and abroad in the case of Elon Musk, right? But also they have escape hatches, yep. you know what I mean? Yep. Like whatever, you know, and obviously they are always going to be because of their wealth and privilege insulated from the violence that they are perpetuating. But even beyond that they're literally like like Peter Till can just leave the country you know yeah. and i just think it's like wait a minute like you're literally funding an organization like with a kind of america first mm-hmm. policy isn't that the rhetoric yep. they use and i'm like you're not putting america first like you yeah. got you got no. a fire escape hatch it makes me so angry yeah well
0: and there's a certain kind of philosophy that not just empowers these rich men as they think they can take over the world because they're rich, but it also allows a lot of the country and a lot of the world to think it's okay. I think of the very idea of social entrepreneurship, this idea that business could be used to save the world. And perhaps the biggest, I guess, example of it would be like the phenomenon of Tom's shoes, Mm -hmm. where it's like, if you buy a pair of Tom's, we'll give a pair of Tom's to people in Africa who need it. You're saving the world by buying shoes. Tom's shoes have not saved Africa, you
1: know. It was really just marketing.
0: Exactly. Yet Tom's the company is getting richer and richer and richer. And there has been this story and this narrative sold to us in late-stage capitalism that the right capitalist arrangement will save us and will fix Mm -hmm. these problems. But the work of fixing some of these problems is not profitable, and capitalism can't do it.
1: And I think you're right. Uh, the former CEO or current CEO of Patagonia, you know, is making yeah. an effort or just chairman toward, and some people yeah, the chairman. And it, some people are saying, like, he's just doing it as a tax write off, but at least a gesture toward climate change and thinking about climate policy. It's interesting to see these billionaires like just avoiding climate change seemingly entirely because it's not profitable. Like they're not exactly. trying to pretend to care about yeah. it. And right? I would say I
2: I'm very hesitant to ever believe
1: that a for profit venture
2: will save the world because capitalism at the end of the day has no interest in the saving world. the world. It it's destroys destroying the world. The world. <laughs> and the best example of this is this pursuit of media to be aligned with saving the world right now. So the Washington Post's new tagline is, democracy dies in the dark. The New York Times saw a huge influx of subscribers in New Yorker under Trump. And, you know, That's all dipping and now we're seeing layoffs impending on the horizon due to a recession, all these things. And when you wrap up our political future or even our futures for anything that's equitable in a bottom line, in profit margins, it's going to fail because what we should be thinking more radically is, you know, internet should be free globally to everyone all the time that media and access to news and journalism should be free all the time. Housing should be free. These are the radical things that we should be looking at that untethered capitalism to it and allow us just to exist, but we're not going there. And that's why this idea of Elon Musk stepping in, I'm like, nope. I don't believe in <laughs> capitalism like this. I think if yeah. we, the purpose here was to make some money and kill people, then yes, Elon Musk should be in this. But that's not what we want out of the Ukraine situation. We
0: want exactly there to be life, and we want there Sorry, to, that's to be peace. Not funny. Yeah. I <laughs> should <talk> laugh about it, but it's, true, Zay, but it's I true that like, you, you're yeah. right. There are certain things that have to be unsexy and unprofitable right. to get done equitably, that. namely healthcare. You know, mm-hmm. when healthcare is for profit, people suffer. When healthcare is, you know, made accessible for all in an unsexy government kind of way, it's not fun and flirty and cool and profitable, but it works, right? Yeah. And so what parts of our society need to be inherently, by design, mm-hmm. not made for profit? We have yeah. lost sight of that in every way. That's
1: the thing with these billionaires. Like, they they don't actually want to create substantive change that would impact anyone other than themselves. They want attention mm-hmm. and, and power, Right. And and that's clearly what's kind of guiding the yeah. decisions. But.
0: Yeah, well and you know, the underlying principle of capitalism is that in order for profit to be made, there must be scarcity. Mm-hmm. And so if you allow capitalism to rule certain sectors, it will create scarcity. But some aspects of society should not be scarce, like housing or food, or education, <laughs> or healthcare. Don't get me started.
1: And certainly in the middle of a, war, I mean, yeah. yeah. it's a middle to of a war. Starting, <laughs> certainly in the middle yes. of a war. I mean that, yes. that's like a whole yes. new level of Yes.
0: Anywho, Elon gonna Elon. We're gonna take a break. When we come back, we will not be talking about Elon Musk. No,
1: we're probably gonna talk about Elon Musk. (laughs) Sadly.
2: Hey there, Zach Stafford, co-host of Vibe Check. And something I heard really early on in my career was this phrase that has never left me. It is, you can't be what you can't see. And for me, that is so true. All of the black people I got to grow up and watch on television, be journalists, and so much more, are the foundation to why I continue to have a media career. And that's the case for so, so many people. And if you're looking for the next generation of influential black voices in media, you can find all of them on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Now they are. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the black experience. It's NPR Noir. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR wherever you get your
1: podcasts. Okay, we are back. I'm happy to report, friends, I'm in a better mood. I don't know if it was talking about nuclear annihilation. (laughs) perspective or billionaires (laughs) or capitalism, but something's got me feeling a little bit more perky.
0: Trashing Elon (laughs) Musk always makes us feel better, right? It's
1: therapeutic. It's therapeutic. (laughs) Well, now that I'm in a better mood, I'm ready to talk about our next topic. So as we were coming up with the concept for this week's episode, we were trying to think about pop culture and we were like, it's kind of hard to get excited about anything. Everything just feels a little eh, Eh. a little huh, a little (laughs) shrug. And so mid, so we wanted to kind of talk about you know we're talking music tv movies just the kind of cultural vibe when you think of entertainment things feel mid first of all let's define mid my first question is is mid a synonym for mediocre or is it a little different what do you Mid is a feeling Ooh. mid mm-hmm. is not having your expectations met
0: huh oh. Mid is over-promise and under-delivery. Exhibit okay. A, this little show on Netflix featuring Anthony.
1: <laughs> you have been ranting you about listen. this. show. You, know? you are the only person I have seen mention the existence of this show. and You were so mad about it. Netflix
0: had been plugging this show called Easy Bake Battle. The host being one Anthony from Queer Eye fame. The okay. thinking was... In a show named Easy Bake Battle, they're going to be cooking on Easy Bake Ovens. That's
1: what I assumed.
0: So I'm so excited to watch this show featuring uh-huh. Easy Bake Ovens, and I turn the show on, and everyone's cooking, but there are no Easy Bake Ovens. That is mid. You overpromise and you underdeliver. Is it like off-brand Easy Bake Ovens? So at yeah. first, they just use regular-ass ovens. Oh. And then for the Easy Bake Challenge, they say that they've brought in actual full-sized easy bake ovens, but they're just gussied up regular ovens. There is no easy bake oven to be found. Why would you do that? That's mid. That's mid. And this got us talking Uh about how like all of the stuff that we're consuming right now seems to be
1: a little bit Fucking mid. Yeah. As much as I hate to agree with you, Sam, I think I see why you're so. (laughs) That that is that's an odd choice. Yes.
2: (laughs) And what I love about that that choice and helping us kind of situate this conversation is the restaurateur chef David Chang wrote this essay, I think in Wired years ago, maybe ten years ago, called "The Theory of Deliciousness." And the basis of that argument is that anything you taste that's good should transport you back to a nostalgic feeling. It's not yeah. the exact thing you had, but it should take you back to a feeling. So a pot pie, when you eat a delicious piece of chicken or pot pie at a restaurant, and it reminds you of your grandmother's pot pie, it doesn't mm-hmm. mean that those recipes are the same. It, re- it means that it gives you the feeling of going backwards in time. And I have applied that to so much culture around me of when I look at something, that that pipe shoot of nostalgia, like when Drake samples <laughs> Lauren Hill, it takes mm-hmm. you on this emotional roller coaster right. where it takes you backwards and forwards and here. And I think that's a great thing, but what we're seeing right now is an over Abundance of the nostalgia play, which I think is the mid play. It's where you give me an IP that takes me backwards, like Easy Bake Oven, and then when I consume it, I'm like, Meh,
1: this doesn't taste good. This doesn't feel
2: good. I think that's such
1: a a great framework because I think what's key in what David Chang was talking about is the transportation, Mm -hmm. the transformation. Like there's actually like a sense of of movement. And I think what we're seeing now in media with a lot of like corporate nostalgia, it's kind of like someone just like holding up a sign that's like, 2002, like, just the year, and you're like, that's it? (laughs) Like, you know, like, there's not, you know what I mean? Like, there's no, you're just like, yeah, 2002 was a date and time, Mm -hmm. thank Uh you. But there's nothing beyond that, you know what I mean? So there's no, you're not transported, because, and you're right, I mean, like, you know, one of my favorite dishes that my mom made, and, you know, obviously my mom passed away like a decade ago, it's like a very specific kind of peach cobbler. And when I've had a peach cobbler that's similar, it is, it's like, time Mm -hmm. and space shifts like it's a it's an emotional kind of existential experience that's really beautiful but if someone just like holds up like this is it It, it's not the same well that's That's the
0: thing so much of what i think an artist like david chang is doing through food and through nostalgia is giving you a taste of that nostalgia to take you back but then flipping the script ever so slightly in a way that Mm -hmm. feels new And my issue with a lot of the stuff that we're consuming, especially watching, is that it's a recycling of IP and ideas and names that we know, Mm -hmm. but you're never giving me anything that feels fresh and new and more. You don't advance the narrative. Like I'm thinking of all the Jeffrey Dahmer content we're seeing right now. The Ryan Murphy Dahmer show, the Dahmer documentary. I've been watching and hearing stories about Jeffrey Dahmer since I was a kid Mm -hmm. and Just seeing the name Dahmer on my TV screen taps into into nostalgia, and I'll probably click. But what would make that art great was that if it went somewhere new, even as it exists in this place of nostalgia, Mm -hmm. the art's not doing that these days. I feel like so much of the recycled IP that we're being fed is unadventurous, not at all creative, and playing it safe. And I think that like a lot of the stuff that we're consuming is influenced and created out of corporate fear. I think we have a lot of these boardrooms and entertainment where they just have to guarantee a bottom line. And when they have to do that, they will go for the safest bet, Mm -hmm. which is just a recycling of nostalgia in a non-creative way. Yes,
2: and the best example, and I think we should go into examples now, just so people can like see this animate, because what I want people to know, really important right now, is we're not saying that TV is shit right now. That it's not good. But there's it some is. Great stuff. Nah. There's some. There's some bad stuff. We're saying that like there is some stuff that we all love. But the mean of all of this, or the average here, is that the it's average is mid. mid is mid. yes. And you know, a great example is the Hocus Pocus franchise. Hocus Pocus. Y'all ass
1: watch the new Hocus Pocus. <laughs> I watched the <a> new one. <laughs> I watched it. That? I was That's disappointed.
2: T- so Hocus Pocus came out in '93. Wasn't a huge box office. Thing, but the reason why people like us love it is because it went to Disney
0: Channel every and they Halloween. showed it in reruns. All and they the showed it in reruns, it so, so we
2: have a ritual with the product. We come to it. It signals mm-hmm. Halloween. It signals Singles that we're getting costumes, childhood, all the stuff. That's the thing. That's what's special about Hocus Pocus. And also signals just Sarah Jessica Barker kind of is ageless somehow. And now this new version is this thing that's trying to rush to meet the moment while also keeping you in the nostalgia, and it all falls apart. The plots. There's three plots running in there. It doesn't make any sense. It, like, loses the gleam of, like, the nostalgia because it's too modern. It's talking about CVS and beauty products. It just misses it. And for me, Hocus Pocus 2 is that mid. It's like, I wanted to watch it because I love Hocus Pocus. But when I engaged with it, I was like, meh, this is kind of like stale bread. Like, it's yeah, bread. Something, it's like, oh, something that occurred to yeah.
1: me while watching Hocus Pocus 2, and I think this is true for a lot of, you know, the reboots and the, the unasked for sequels and threequels and quadruple calls, is that the originals had moments. Like the original Hocus Pocus, part of the reason it's so great is that the characters and the actors are allowed to kind of linger and just kind of sit in the moment. And like if you know, if you've seen the original Hocus Pocus, the bus scene (laughs) is wild. With her sitting on his lap. Yeah, it is. I mean, the jokes are actually very adult. I'm like, how was this allowed on Disney? But it's only possible because it's deeply rooted in the moment and they Mm -hmm. sit there and they linger. And I just think. Like you were saying, this kind of corporate nostalgia is just kind of like holding up the sign. See Hocus Pocus 2. They got the same costumes. They have the wigs, right? And it's just like it's not the same like, you know, Bette Midler in the original production performing I Put a Spell on You. It's a really good performance. It's not just like, oh, she's doing the thing. It's a genuinely good performance even if you take nostalgia away. And I just think these um, executives don't seem to understand that nostalgia has to be like it's the first step. In, yeah. a, in a cultural experience. And the other thing with Hocus Pocus too, it wasn't cheaply made. They spent a lot of money on it. You I want
2: to know their talent fees because mm-hmm. there was they, you know, their
1: agents Ooh. took Disney to the bank I'm saying sure. you can't do they this deserve. movie without Ka- these. Girls. Listen, my girl Kathy <laughs> Nazimi deserves it. Uh, my <laughs> example would be the rings of power, because I think this is another example. It's the new Lord of the Rings show. And it's for one season, Amazon spent almost a billion dollars, which you is lied. kind of like, wait, hold on. Stop wild? right there. That's insane. is that wild? That's yeah. insane.
2: It's so much money.
1: And so wow. that, that's like a, a fascinating example of like clearly Jeff Bezos and Amazon prime. Like they, they, gamble they were like we're gonna throw all our chips in and it sets up like an impossible stake because anything less than absolute how can you justify a billion dollars except like everyone on the planet watching the show and so of course it didn't do that and i thought it was interesting so 25 million viewers tuned in for the first two episodes according to that's pretty good good. um but Amazon Prime has 200 million subscribers. Oh. Um, and, and, and they're not even like sharing all their data. So 25 million is only 12.5% of the available viewership. And then Damn. beyond that, when Amazon says 25 million, to, what does that mean? Because you know all these Did they watch a minute or they, two minutes? Exactly. Did they finish the episode? Did they enjoy the episode? And I made it, I think, four or five episodes in, and I just- couldn't connect with it, and and it's like the source material is actually very thin. And it to me, I realized I was like, you know, honestly, the moment trolls stopped arguing about black elves and dwarves, people kind of stopped talking about <laughs> rings. Did. Like, have you seen people talking about rings <laughs> no. of power? No, Mm-mm. they
2: haven't. And I have said this to someone. I watched watch all of us Y'all I, know me.
0: Them dragons him. and them hobbits. None of my business. Okay, I'm here for the dragons. None of my business.
2: I would say I've watched all of Rings of Power. I did enjoyed you like it? It's something I loved on the weekends. Me and my okay. boyfriend would watch it. It was a ritual. It was a thing we it's did. It's very beautiful. It's really it's beautiful. I don't beautiful. think it's the most incredible thing. I think it kind of like... It is funny that they program it Fridays and then you know House of the Dragons is Sundays because these are very much I keep confusing the two of them, but that's a problem. I'm able to confuse the two of them because there's nothing that really distinguishes any of this. They all feel like. How dare you! (laughs) How dare you insult House of the Dragon like this? I mean, House of the Dragon is better, but both series are based on very famous books that take us back to like me being in high school reading these things. So they both tap into this like nostalgia for me. So that's why I kind of confuse them sometimes. But Ring of Powers, I don't think is bad. I think it's like digestible. It's really Broad and it kind of accomplishes. I think IndieWire calls Amazon Prime the CBS of streamers. And <laughs> it's kind of like, and CBS wow. is like, you but know, CBS, CBS, is, gets CBS gets
0: numbers. CBS gets numbers. That's it's like,
2: true. And CBS is like a very like trusted network. It's kind of like the New York Times of television. People yeah. love Gail King on it. It's pretty consistent, but it's never like splashing exciting. It's like
1: Walmart. My issue too. with with the rings of power is, I was like, what do you have to say? Part of the predicament for me with Tolkien is, to me, the concept's always very simple, which Mm -hmm. is that evil is sneaking up on... It's kind of like we were talking about last week weekend. Like, it's basically about fascism creep, yeah. right? Like, it's literally yeah. like evil is there, yeah. and there's always like, a, like there'll be a heroic character who is aware of the stakes. Evil is back. It's back again. We need to be on alert. And they're trying to convince everybody else to take it seriously, and everyone else is reluctant or obstinate. You know, the first time you see it, you're like, okay, that's an interesting idea. And it's like, well, okay, girl, it's 20 years into movies about this idea. It's kind of boring. House of the Dragon, I would argue, I think has something to say because it's interesting looking at, and I'm trying not to spoil anything, but I think it's an interesting examination of women trying to eke out, carve out, convince themselves that they have power in a patriarchy that's built against them, and particularly yeah. Alicent Hightower, the actor Olivia Cooke, who's doing an incredible job playing this pretty yeah. antagonistic character, says that she's frankly based her on like a woman for Trump, you know. And so it's kind of interesting seeing these women kind of maneuver in this system that is diametrically opposed to them, yeah. and at different points kind of realize, oh wait, we can't win. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. My power is an illusion.
2: I love this so much because what you're getting to is like what I think is needed more in culture is that I want to see people go through these obstacles and see right. them overcome things. I don't want you to tell me about okay, them. Okay, that's true. So things like Bros fails because it tells you what it is. You know that uh, show Partner Track, which was really big on Netflix for two weeks about a law firm and underrepresented people trying to make partner told you too much about what they were trying to overcome. I like House of the Dragons because it does just show you
1: about right. this gender issue. There's like underlying queer stories. There's right. so much happening. but you're. you're just, and that's what, it's kind of saying same with Hocus Pocus. It's like entertainment is great when you forget yourself, you yes. lose yourself in the moment. And obviously we've talked a lot about television shows and stuff like that. But I think, you know, the reason um, Beyonce's Renaissance is so excellent is that it creates so many opportunities for you to just lose. Like we could talk about the transition from cuff it to energy for 20 minutes. Yeah. There's so much there. It's not just the property. It's not just the brain. Well, it's d- the yeah. moments. I mean,
0: so much of this mid, culture and mid entertainment that we're seeing it's more focused on proving to you that it made a point about something than Mm -hmm. actually just being good and i want to cite a little bit uh from an essay that wesley morris wrote for the new york times kind of about the same phenomenon and his argument is that part of why tv and movies feel so eh right now is because the trashiness has been taken out of it we have left trashy TV behind in large part. And basically he argues that after the election in 2000 and the attacks of 9-11, he basically said that like our society left irony behind for a while and got way too earnest.
1: Mm. And
0: then Hollywood in response Started making fewer things that were concerned with individuals and their autonomy, and they were more concerned with bigger ideas and collective action like homeland security or patrolling mm-hmm. the border or killer viruses or the Fast and Furious franchise, which is all about these people saving the world,
1: right? Right, instead of just cars. Exactly. Like and so you superheroes.
0: end up with this mm-hmm. culture that has let go of the individual, let go of the trashy individual, and has been moving towards these things that make a point about the collective. But when we really go to entertainment to be entertained, we want to see individuals being autonomous and going through shit mm-hmm. in some trashy ways. Mm-hmm. Like Wesley Morris argues that like the currency of American culture is trashiness. We like trashy stuff. Americans like trashy stuff. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, well, bring it back, well, I bring think, it like, back. When I read that piece by Wesley and
2: what I'm I'm always dealing with is like I like trashy things because I like real things. I like things that are messy yes. and complicated mm-hmm. and, and edited and unfiltered. That's why I get so annoyed by like the Love Simons of the world which I think is a fun thing to watch. Jennifer Gardner ate in that movie but like how do you have this incredibly <laughs> diverse group of friends in this random town in America? That's no town any of us live in. There's not this like racial unity, gender unity.
0: But the show is making a point. You it's know? like making it's a like,
2: point yeah. and it's like I think all of us on both sides of the aisle right now just want some realness not reality because reality TV is so produced. We want realness. And realness is trash. People are trash. And I want exactly.
1: to see that. Yeah. I also think the issue I have with corporate nostalgia is that I think the last few years in particular, I mean, that's what Make America Great Again is. I think yeah. we've we've realized the peril of nostalgia. So it's kind of weird to see that entertainment is still trying to feed us nostalgia when I think we've all kind of complicated our relationship to it. Yeah. I am
0: curious if our audience feels the same way. Do you think entertainment is kind of mid right now? I want you to write us and tell us why. Yeah, like are we just in a bad mood? or yeah. <laughs> Well, or I'm are in a good right? mood. We know that. But <laughs> listeners, write in, tell us your examples of mid,
1: or if you think we're entirely wrong. I want to yeah. know. Hit us up. Okay, well, we'll take a quick break. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back if you leave your mid. Hey friends,
2: I'm Alameen Mahmoud. I'm the host of the new podcast, Commotion. If you don't know about us yet, well, we are your daily deep dive into the biggest stories coming out of the world of pop culture, art, and entertainment. And luckily, I'm not going to be doing it alone, okay? I'll be joined by some brilliant culture writers and thoughtful superfans. We're going to have hilarious hot takes, we're going to have vibrant debates. Consider this your invitation to join the group chat. Get in here and join us. Commotion, available weekdays on CBC Listen. All right, we are back. And before we end the show, we'd like to share something that's helping us keep our vibe right this week. I'm personally very excited about mine, but I will save that for a little later. (laughs) Oh, okay. Wow. Sam, you're in a happy mood. What's making this mood happen beyond your, you know,
0: facial routine? I mean, what I really want to say is leftover pads to you, but I've already said that. Yes. I want you to say something wildly (laughs) inappropriate.
1: You're like, the nipple clamps I'm wearing. (laughs) Yes. You know? (laughs) Change it up. Change it up.
0: I'm gonna say what's been giving me life, and I've alluded to it before on the show, but I'm really liking this Peloton that I'm renting. Oh, okay. um, you can find whatever class you want. I didn't know how many classes they have, so there's like yeah. thousands. And I took this class last week from this instructor named Ali Love. It was a Beyonce ride, because you can like search for like Beyonce rides. And I'm doing the half hour ride and Allie Love, the instructor, she's doing all the choreography for every song. She's talking about on J-setting a bike? on a bike. Mm-hmm. She's J-setting on the bike. And I'm like, why is this bike rider so good at dancing? And then it gets to single ladies and she just casually announces to everyone watching her lead the spin class that she was one of the backup dancers at the VMAs <laughs> when Beyonce did single ladies.
1: Oh, wow. That's major. <laughs> That's actually major. It was <laughs> major. Great. And it was like uh, That'll make you feel good
0: Flex Like flex And so I've just been Pleasantly surprised By the Quality of these Fucking Peloton Spin classes They've got the real True professionals Doing this stuff That's my vibe I will say To the cheap among us Of which I am I waited so long (laughs) To get one Mm Because it's like Thousands of dollars For these things You can rent them now I'm renting mine.
1: You so that's are such my vibe. Such, Rental property. Like, Very <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I'm just too lazy. I I I. I, I it's not an issue of price. Let me explain. Okay. That, that, that is not what's <laughs> prohibiting me from getting a Peloton. And my <laughs> is aesthetic.
2: I don't think they look great in space girl, in the house. Like, girl. <laughs> Zach
1: said them are ugly.
2: Listen, wow. I still go to spin classes. I love a spin class. I go to one at least once a week, but I do not do it in my house because I don't think it's really? an attractive thing. In I've got mine in the back house. Mine's in the <laughs> well, back I don't house. have a back house, Sam. You have that big old house in LA. I
1: This conversation got bougie really quick. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. yeah, Anywho. Um, Saeed, what's keeping you your vibe, right? Well, okay. So a few weeks ago, we, we were talking about, I think it was after the Emmys, talked about Shirley Ralph and kind of mentioned Sister Act 2. She oh, plays yeah. Lauren Hill's mom and I, it's just kind of been on my mind and then at some point in the last week, I was in a hotel and Sister Act came on it was right at the end, so I missed it. But when I got back home, I was like, oh, it's on Disney Plus. And so mm-hmm. I watched both Sister Act movies uh, in a row. Yeah. And it's fun because we've been talking about mid and nostalgia and everything. Go back and watch some of these 90s comedies that They're really good. would not be made today. No. Because if like if they were just like non-existent IP, people would be like a comedian plays a nun from know, <laughs> Like what? You know these, and they're both actually very different. I prefer mm-hmm. the first one, to be honest. Yeah. Same. Um, I think the last act, when all the nuns are running around the casino, is brilliant and it so, so well written. Mm. It so is. It um, is. The movies are just so good. I mean, and 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 again, like everything we've talked about, where you kind of forget what's going on and you're just in the moment. You enjoy with the it. You well, enjoy these movies it. aren't okay. trying
0: to make a point. Right. Like, Whoopi Goldberg is not making a greater point about the mm-hmm. Catholic Church or what it means to be a woman or what it means to be whatever. Mm-hmm. She's having fun in this right. movie. Yeah, And, and the also, performances
1: are very, very good. Like, yeah. every song, I found myself stopping and rewinding because I was like, I need to see them do this over again. Like, it's just mm-hmm. so good. It's not yeah. like a wink and a nod. It's just an actual good performance. And two yeah. things.
2: Kath and Jimmy is in Sister Act. Know, you know her. She is in so it. Good. Focus Focus, so good. Hocus so, Pocus. And so she can act. sing. And she can, she can sing. sing. Mm-hmm. She can sing. And speaking of singing, Lauren Hill in Sister Act 2 singing. Is Eye on the Sparrow at the Piano? I just could listen to that. All day long. So it's so good. beautiful. Mm-hmm. So oh.
1: good. But watch these movies. If you are in a bad mood, watch these movies. I promise you, you'll feel a little bit lighter by the end. That's my recommendation.
0: What is your recommendation, Sir Zach? My recommendation,
2: it's the movie Tar with Cate Blanchett. Is it actually three oh. hours long? It's two hours and 47 minutes, I think. so. Girl. Yeah, three hours. It is... I sat in that theater the other day, and I could watch Kate Blanchett play this character and and just paint the walls. Like she just like eats every scene as this rich conductor in Berlin. The
1: trailer was very sexy. It's, is it a sexy movie? It's so thinking, sexy. Is it but to be the
2: sexy? sexiness is complicated because it's it's a movie that's kind of a me too movement, as a me too oh. movie that's about huh. like power and sex and all these things. So oh. it it is a movie exploring a question. It's not as on the nose, which I think is why I like it. It kind of does it in a more subtle way, but it's something if you want to see why Kate Blanchett is one of the greatest living actors today, watch this movie. She just and she also plays predatory lesbian so well between this and Carol <laughs> <laughs> Consistency.
0: Well,
1: <laughs> was, I mean, she plays Predators pretty. I mean, you know, even the Thor movie yeah. that she was in was really good. And notes from a scandal. She plays some yeah. fucked up things. Yeah. She yeah, plays yeah. some pretty dark <laughs> yeah. characters, but okay. So, anyway, that's mine. Go to the theater, see it if you'd
2: like, or also wait till streaming.
0: Question for both of you: Kate Blanchett or Meryl
1: Streep? Kate, Kate Blanchett. Blanchett. <laughs> wow. <laughs> no hesitation. Kate Blanchett. Kate Blanchett. Okay. I, I mean, Meryl Streep is excellent. I mean, one, they, they choose pretty different roles. Yeah, so, but yeah. I, I I enjoy Merle Streep depending on the role, depending on mm-hmm. the character she decides to play. There are movies she's chosen where I'm like, I did not want to see that. Kate Blanchett, I would probably enjoy her doing anything.
2: I could do a whole episode of Cate up a whole episode <laughs> And we'll be like, well, gay candy <laughs> listen, listen. gay candy <laughs> Sorry, I'm glad you heard that gay candy um,
0: anyway what is the gayest candy? oh my well, we god we have to move on we have to we have
1: <laughs> now to I'm move thinking on. about it that's Halloween now or laters? that's what I was gonna say airheads <laughs> pop rocks pop rocks are pretty fucking gay <laughs> put it in your mouth and then wait for something fizzy to happen. Snickers. Snickers. That's gay as fuck, bro.
2: Nuts in your
0: mouth. The way you said that so quick. Listen.
2: There is no
0: straight way to eat a Snickers bar. Doesn't exist. That is... I have and now never been transformed. in my life
1: could I have <laughs> predicted this is where the conversation would go. But and I, you so know what I'm, Sam,
2: You took... Ooh. you took all the air out of me because I was going to say <laughs> ring pop but like okay you want a drippy Sam ring pop Snickers. Oh. but like the visualization of you making oh, a Snickers pops ring pops are pretty gay <laughs> but Snickers the fact that when you eat it it does like stretch like there's like a has, very oh you know, they have that vein yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a vein not, in the, in vein in
0: not the vein yeah. not the vein yeah
2: <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah yeah oh, y'all are going to hell Jesus straight to hell
0: Jesus oh my the vein God. And the the vein and the filling, girl. Listen, so now come well, on now. Like, are you okay? <laughs> oh my god! Uh, I
2: have been forever changed. <laughs> have, and also, they do Snickers Minis too. So you got range.
0: It's just like I don't every need type no Snickers thing. Mini. Okay. <laughs> I'm not in the Snickers mini club. Stickers original. Can we get a cane size? Can we get a cane
2: size? Oh my God. <laughs> anyway, <gasps> listeners, what are you feeling or not feeling this week? What's I'm your feeling vibe? like a Snickers bar. You know what, girl? Leave your Snickers at home. But you listeners, check in with us. You can get at us at com.
0: On that note, thank you all for listening to this week's episode of Vibe Check. If you love the show and want to support us, please make sure to follow the show on your favorite podcast listening platform. Also, huge thank you to our producer, Chantel Holder, engineer Brendan Burns, and
1: Marcus Holm for our theme music and sound design. Special thanks to our executive producers, Nora Ritchie at Stitcher and Brandon Sharp from Agenda Management and Production. And last but not least, thank you to Jared O'Connell and Emil Deskinder for all of their help. So
2: again, we want to hear from you and don't forget our Ask Us Anything episode coming to you soon. You can email us at sister.com. and in the meantime, keep in touch with us on Twitter at at Zach Stafford, at Sam Sanders, and at The Ferocity. Also use the hashtag vibecheckpod. We do check and interact there, so feel free to get a hold of us there. And you can also follow us on TikTok at vibecheckpod. Stay tuned for another episode next Wednesday, you guys. Bye. Bye.
0: Bye. Ditcher.
2: Hey, Vibe Check listeners. Check out Zach Stafford in the latest episode of Stars and Stars with Issa, where I read his birth chart. Because I'm such a dreamer. Like, I love what you said about a lot of revolutionaries that I love and know. They all are in Pisces, and they're all able to, like, build new worlds around them. And I find so much joy out of building new worlds and new ways of thinking. You can follow us anywhere you get your podcasts and also online at Stars and Stars with Isa on Instagram and TikTok.